Welcome to a very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. I'm Angelo DeCipio, joined by the Happy Haberdasher, the smartest guy in the room. If you don't believe me, just ask him. He'll tell you. Dan, the man's Sebastian. How you doing, brother? Good, Angelo. Well, you know what? We've always said this, Dan. When something happens on the show, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So we uh, we had a guest scheduled tonight. Um, we actually had two very special guests tonight. One is here. The other one is actually stuck in traffic. Our featured guest, Lou Bruno, will be back, the Meadowlands monster. He will be back with us. But tonight, we have an icon, a mythical figure in pro wrestling, the legendary, the iconic, the Metal Maniac, my friend. Metal Maniac, don't mess up my name. The spirit, I'll squeeze your head like a pimple. I'll bust you up so bad you'd be calling for help to a Hawaiian seashell. <laughs> so how you doing, Jeff? <laughs> I'm doing good. The metal maniac is doing <laughs> how bad could I how bad could I be doing? I live in Honolulu, Hawaii. We only have 79 COVID cases and everyone else is sick and we are not. Good for you, brother. Well, how you doing, man? Everything looks, you're looking good, first of all. And this is uh, Dan's first introduction to you. Dan, this is going to be a very easy show for us tonight. What's with those Elvis sideburns, baby? Give us a couple Elvis bars. I know you love Elvis (laughs) if you got them sideburns down to your chinny chin chin. The kind of charisma you can't teach. Jeff, I had I had Rico Costantino on. All I'm doing is all I'm doing is sitting out in the sun and working out and just hanging out with the brothers on the beach and uh, you know watching uh, whatever wrestling, if you want to call it that, on yeah. television and uh, and seeing people trying to do things and you know it's very difficult with no people in the audiences and. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, too, brother. Uh, The last time you were on the show, and we we, actually, this is kind of a a making good on our first show. Well, we told people that Metal Maniac would definitely be back, and he he is. Not under the circumstances we wanted, but he is here nonetheless, and so we uh, are going to make the best of it. The last time you were here, you complained to me. You said, bro, I didn't have enough time to tell stories. I want to tell stories. Listen, you know, I got stories out the wazoo, but, you know, you got, you got, you know, this guy and that guy and an hour and a half goes by you and you talk to me, brother. I, I, I can talk all day and never tell you the same story. I've been very fortunate. It's going to be a very easy show, Dan. I told you. I like it. All you got to do is say, how you doing? <laughs> it's off to the races. <laughs> And that's all you need to know, Dan. How you doing? And then we're off to the races. Now, the last time I spoke to you guys, I told you a funny story. And I'll just tell it very quickly, and then we can move on. You guys can ask questions. Go for it, brother. All right, so picture me. I'm young. I don't know Jack. I just know I looked the part. I sounded the part. I couldn't work if you put a gun in my mouth. I'd have been dead. So... In the car to my right is Don Morocco. In the back is Jimmy Snooker. And I'm listening to them talk mouth shut driving the car. And your 
you're coming from Philadelphia's airport, and if you make the wrong turn, you're committed to go over a bridge. It's like a mile and a half, and you got a U-turn and come back. So I make a wrong turn and go all the way over and make a U-turn and come back. I get to that same spot like a shithead. I'm nervous. I'm trying to do the right thing. I make the wrong turn again. And I go all the way down and I make a U-turn, and I come all the way back to that spot. I'm listening to them, not paying attention. And the next thing you know, I go for the wrong turn again. Jimmy says, no, turn it to the right. So I go to the right. And Morocco goes like this to Jimmy, just like this. He goes, why did you tell him? We had drove all the way down and all the way back. He goes, bro, I just want to go back and get a shower already. Twice was <laughs> enough. <laughs> what a rip. That's beautiful. <laughs> Could have had their 12-pack and just watched me drive all over Philadelphia like an idiot. You know, one of the things that we uh, we like to, to get into, uh, especially with guys that have been around a while, it, when when you were smartened up, and you were smartened up by some, some seasoned yeah, pros. Yeah, smartened up, but honest to God, it really wasn't. I mean, the, the, the parts that they knew I wasn't smartened up about, they purposely didn't tell me, I'd, so I'd learn on my own. Well, let's talk about that, because Dan and I actually had a conversation recently where we talked about the smarten up process and how it's different now than it used to be. You know, how a lot of guys aren't even smartened up. It, guys in the business don't even know. Right. Well, first of all, to me, really smartening somebody up is telling them, listen, walk in, shake hands, sit down, and shut the fuck up. Exactly. Nobody told me that. Nobody told me that. I walked right into ECW locker room, walked right by everybody, walked right to Jimmy, never said hello to anybody. It took me a year to get that stink off of me because all the guys were like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Realized I was a good kid. The Pitbulls, they were friendly with Don Morocco, who I was friendly with. He didn't yeah. train friendly. He lived here, and he said, hey, kid, this is what you should do, pretty much. Go somewhere, do something, get out of exactly. here. Exactly. So exactly. Pitbulls kind of helped me out, and they knew I was a good kid, and then they told all these other guys like Sandman and Johnny Hotbody and all those guys, you know, hey, Jeff's a good guy. Well, why did he walk by? I said, he don't know. He, he's totally green. He don't know. He's friends with these guys. Yeah. Friends with them, but they're letting him learn the hard way. Sure. Um, and so that's or pure. Here's another example. Um, I see a lot of guys tying their wrestling boots and they tie a knot and then they have the strings hanging down. Well, the way you're supposed to do it is the very top. You go inverted. You go in, you tie the knot to the side and then the excess up mm. in and around. Yep. But if top guy and you look across and you see a guy with his strings hanging down. You know, the kids is green as grass. Yeah. Exactly. And those are the kinds of things that really need to be told and smartened up about. I mean, look. Yeah, it, very, it really is. I, you know, I told this to a lot of young people. And it was told to me by Skandar Akbar. I got off the airplane and I was going to work in Texas and he never met me before. He saw me with the picture in the face paint, but I had my hair up and I was covered up and I walked off the plane and he comes up to me, Jeff. I said, yes, sir. How are you? 
Oh, Sabadeen, Sabadeen, let's get in the car. I said, how did you know it's me? Because I could tell from just the way you walk. I could tell from the way you walk. And so I tell these young guys, I said, you know, Triple H, he's going to be around a while. He, I, I was around when he first started at, at, at Kowalski. And I can tell you, he could tell, like Akbar, if you can work, if you can, if you, the way you walk, the way you tie your boots. The yeah. The way you step into the ring through the ropes. Forget about what you do once you're in there. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about before that. They will know someone either taught you or you don't know shit. I'm going to tell you something, brother. Here was the always the dead giveaway to me. When I always knew if a guy was green by one thing that he did not do. Not what he did, what he did not do. If I saw a kid step up onto the apron and go immediately into the ring, I knew he was green as grass. A pro will always wipe his feet first. He'll always... Those, one of those things, you know, it, it, one of the many little things. It's a nuance. It's a, it's a nuance. Absolutely. From the 70s and the 60s, actually, but... You know, uh, Jimmy used to do it a lot because he was barefoot. Uh, but again, 60s and 70s, you know, yeah. uh, people, guys did it because they were around 60s, 70s. Ken Patera did it. Uh, superstar Billy Graham did it. Uh, sure. It, they all did it. They all did it. You know, now guys don't do it at all. Just like they don't know how to interview. Well, the thing about stepping into the ring and showing respect to the ring is tantamount to going into a karate studio uh, and not taking off your shoes. You always take off your shoes before you enter the dojo, and you always bow. Go respect for the people before you. Absolutely. Dan, you know, you have to interrupt me here, Dan, because, you know, you're... You're, everyone yeah. who watches the show knows that you, you know, barely say you anything. Dan, you can't just sit there with that goofy hat and those Elvis sideburns. Nothing to say. I mean, you look good, but speak up, will you? I love you, brother. I love you. <laughs> sit there. I'll take a picture of you and I'll replace you with a broomstick. You'll do just great. Have at okay. it, bro. Well, Go ahead, I'll take over, Dan. You better hurry up. There can't be too much dead air with you. We're no, no, it's 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 fine. It's uh, you know, Angelo gets going. I kind of let him do his thing, and once I start talking, he'll get going again anyway. But um, I, I, I'm curious. Following your 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 career, I mean, being at my age, uh, you had a pretty long feud. I was probably at least ten or ten ten years plus on and off with Jimmy Snuka. How do you go about? preparing for those kind of matches where you you i mean how do you not have the same match twice over the course of 10 15 years with the same person you know i mean most people don't even realize i mean i mean i've had my i stopped counting at exactly 747 matches and the reason why i was able to do that was jimmy took me to different places outside of the United States where you work five, six, seven, sometimes nine times a week, you know? So, and you would go, let's say, for example, he would go to Otto Wands either for the first three months or the second three months or in and out. Uh, the first year I was with him, um, 
Uh, he was there in and out. Kid, you know, you really need to do certain things. And why don't we go over? Come with me. And we'll go to Germany. Well, it's a thing. It's a thing where you you're doing the same building. And it's a tournament seven nights a week. It's big over there. And so I was working with him seven nights a week. But they would do these little holiday camps on Saturday and Sunday. So I was working with them nine times. Now, yeah, right. but there were rounds. So you could leave him laying and then start over the next night right where you were and pick up the match from there. And then he's making a comeback and the bell rings and he's got to leave you. And as soon as the next night, as soon as the bell rings, you run over, bingo, bango, you're back on the floor. And he starts right back where he was the day before. And so, you know, it was like a elongated movie. You know, it was like an elongated movie where, you know, they stuck in the commercials and you had to watch the commercial. It was one of those things where the next day you'd come back and you'd start again, which is a completely different type style of wrestling. But I didn't know. I just knew to listen. And what happened was this Bill After was just such a great guy. Uh, he, he may be the 1992 Pro Wrestling Illustrated Rookie of the Year. He put me in the top 500. I was the only guy actually... With a picture in that top 500 book, it was an almanac, uh, and and the actual True. 500 that actually, if you didn't have a contract, you didn't have a picture. I was the only guy other than Sabu who was either in between a contract. I think Sabu was like in between one, but he didn't have one. I was the only guy that had no contract and was in there. And then he pushed me in every magazine. Who's the? Uh, uh, there was a um, an article he did the 10 best heels you've never heard of. Sabu was one, and I was number two. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, you know, these were all big deals in the introducing file. Guys wait years, six, seven, eight years. They cut their fingers off for Bill had me in within, like, three months. Literally. I mean, you know, guys in Texas, when I went down there, were like, hey, is this you? I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even know about that. Because you didn't know about it. You posed for the picture. I said, well, I posed for a picture once. And right. I guess using all the different pictures and changing my gear because I had different gear and eventually just settled on the, the black and pink until about 96. And then we went to the black and gold, which was like by then it was my same colors as Jimmy. And then and then but but going back to your question, Jimmy just said, hey, I, I, I told the story on the real quick. I'll tell it. I'll tell it again. because A lot of people didn't know it. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to Jimmy that first night. I stopped in ECW. I said, listen, can you help me out? You know, I don't know shit, which was the truth. And uh, he said, well, you're just doing an angle. You know, you come in and uh, hit me, hit me, hit me. And then, boom, I'll give you a headbutt. You fly outside. You go to come back in. Tony Stetson's going to whack you with a chair. And then the match gets done with. We leave the ring. You get the hell out. And that's the end of it. I'll see you back in the locker room. Well, when it came time for me to get in there and hit Jimmy, I hit him, I hit him, and when I, he, he headbutted me, and I was supposed to go out. I kept feeding him and feeding him only because, I, not because I was a wise guy, because I just wanted to work with him. And finally, he goes, get out of here. Boom. So I get out. And so, so at the end of the night, he says, oh, you know, come back to the hotel. You know, so I went back to the hotel with him, and we were bullshitting. And so um, uh, he, 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 he said, uh, uh, well, then, then, then well, sorry. Then the next night, we I was working a Tommy D show, 
uh, I saw him there, and then we hung out at the hotel again. And then finally, it was the, the next weekend was where we were working a show together. Um, I was working Hillbilly Cousin Luke. Uh, I hurt my knee, and I was booked. I was booked, and I, I knew if I kept going, I, I wasn't going to be able to make these other shows. So and out of the middle of nowhere, I hurt my knee, and I said, go home. So I was smart enough to say, go home. So Cousin Luke just did his splash on me, one, two, three. So Jimmy said, hey, go see you at the hotel. So when I went there and he says to me, kid, listen, why did you do that? Y your family was there. Um, you, you know, you you've been in the business long enough to know. And I looked at Jimmy and I go, bro, man, I told you I, I just started. He goes, yeah, but what do you got, one or two years? I go, no, 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 Jimmy, I've only had the run-in, the match last week, and this match. And he said, what? <laughs> I, he said, wait, wait, wait a minute. He goes, who taught you how to hit the guy once and flex? You know, who taught you how to use the microphone? Because I'm listening. I said, well, I was going good on the mic, and I got the look, and I saw superstar Billy Graham. He didn't chase you around. He hit you once, he flipped. Same thing with you. You would hit Morocco, boom, he would go flying, and you'd stand there and just flex once, and the place would stand up. So I figured, why run around? Because everybody else is running around anyway. I watched the matches before just because I never didn't want to do anything anyone else did, but no one told me to do that. I just figured it was the right thing to do. Coming from the entertainment business, you know, you play in a band. You don't want to play the same songs the other guys did, you know, on a on a, a band show, you know. So it ended up where I tell Jimmy, I don't know. And he's like, what? He goes, all right, look. I've been in the business 25, 26 years at this point. And he said, honest to God, man, I have never been fooled. And you fooled me. He said, because there wasn't enough, if you would have been out there five more minutes, I would have figured it out. But because you were only out there for five minutes, I didn't get a chance to figure it out. I just looked at what I saw and assumed you knew. Now that I know you really don't know shit and you came from Hawaii and you really are friends with King Curtis, you know who Morocco is, you knew who Steve Offie was because he's the guy who brought you there. You brought me all the lava, lava, and the thing, and the slippers, and the food from Hawaii. He goes, now I got to help you. <laughs> he gets on the phone. He, well, Jimmy don't. Jimmy's like Tarzan in New York. He, he don't. He don't. Um, he was like Tarzan in New York. He don't uh, dial phone numbers. He, he couldn't read. Couldn't write. So he says, dial this number. I don't know who it was. Well, it turns out later on, I find out I'm calling Angelo Savoldi. And so I pick up the phone. Yeah, hello, sir. Yeah, I'm, my name is Jeff. I'm here with Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Can he talk to you for a minute, please? Okay, no problem. Hand the phone. Jimmy, this is me now in, 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 uh, uh, imitating Jimmy. He goes, he goes, Savoldi, listen, I got this kid going to drive me in. Go to the gym, going to stay with me at the hotel, bring me to the show, put him on all five, and put him on with me. All five with me. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.
hangs up the phone and he looks at me and he goes, he's got the sunglasses on and he goes. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go wash my ass. (laughs) You know, and then that was it. And from that point on, everywhere he went, he insisted I went. Uh, If he went overseas, he told him, hey, I'm not going unless the kid goes. You know, and here's the thing, though, I was very fortunate, but I'll tell you where I got. I I, I was this close to getting a job with Vince. I'll tell you when it was. Oh, I know when it was, but go ahead. There's other stories where people really think, but I never told this story to anybody. Never told the story to. I know it. Go for it. 1996. Jimmy's being put into the Hall of Fame, and they know at this point Jimmy's handed the book over to me because they hear everything. We had an 800 number pager where you could call the 800 number from any phone for free and say, so-and-so, this date, please call the number, and that, and I would call you. And I got a call, and it said, Howard Finkel, I figured it's a rib. So I answered the phone, and it's freaking Howard Finkel. He says, <laughs> Metal Maniac, I said, yes, sir. I said, Jeff, I says, I, I need Jimmy at this thing. Listen to this. Poor guy, rest his soul. He says, I'd like to have myself. I'll have him there for you. I'd just like to know, you know, you know, what's the attire? He says, oh, you know, it's black tie. I said, okay, okay. And then uh, he, I, I said to him, I asked him, uh, you know, listen, you know, uh, you know, I work for Jimmy. I have to answer the question if he asks me, and I know he's going to ask me. So forgive me for asking, because I know in the business I'm way down the totem pole, but I have to answer to Tarzan. So please tell me what the number is. He said, tell Jimmy. He'll be happy with the number. He'll know what that means. I said, okay, that's what I'll tell him. And I did. Jimmy said, don't worry about it, brother. It's fine. It's going to be fine. So we get there and schmoozing and woozing, and I see Dwayne, and I hadn't seen him since he was a kid. I knew his grandmother, I knew his father. I kind of knew his mother meeting him once or twice, but really, I knew his grandmother was very close to, very, very close to uh, uh, Liam. I was very, very, very close. If you met him and asked him how close you were, he would tell you they were very close. Um, So I saw him, and I hadn't seen him since he was little. I only met him once, but... When I saw him, hey, Sonny, you know, a big hug. He's like, this white guy, it's a problem, friends with your grandma. You tell her you see, you know, the metal maniac, and she'll tell you about me. Okay, fine, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy, uh, they take Jimmy for some pictures, and I'm just standing around. And Vince McMahon walks right up to me with Pat Patterson, and he grabs my hand and he says to me in Vince's voice he says I want to shake the hand of the man who got Jimmy Snooker to wear a matching outfit with the headband and he gave me a big hug and he shook my hand and he had this biggest smile on his face and I just said well I you said black tie he goes when did that ever matter with Jimmy I said I told him he could not be Put into the Hall of Fame without this gear, and so I had a place sponsor him and me, and they fitted us, 
and that's what he's got on his back. And he thanked me, and he just said, I've tried. I offered money. I did everything I could. I could never get him to do it. I figured I'm going to at least get a manager's position because I can talk or an announcer's position. But that never happened. I wish somebody would hire me as a mic guy because I can talk and I know the business. Go ahead, Dan. (laughs) Well, on over for the next hour and a half on that note um you know you you mentioned you you ended the story commenting on mike skills the the angelo and i we've talked a lot on the show about the the promo and being the how it's pretty much dead the how much uh obviously with everything being so heavily scripted to the point where you know there's pictures you can find online of wrestlers with literally words written on their arms um you know well what Dan, you-, you know I, got, I have to interrupt you a minute and i'm i'm not accustomed to doing that oh man interrupt that's you're, you're, you 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 are in the presence of a guy who was born with a microphone in his hand you don't have to give the metal maniac anything but what time what building what city that's it who am i fighting that's it. He could take those four things mm-hmm. and go 30, 40 minutes with it if you let him. Well, that was actually what I was going to lead I've to. I've seen him do it. True. Oh, you That's know, bro, you, you, you have to share with you, you have to share with Dan. And this is a classic story, Dan. Okay. You have to share with him the kid that you worked who had his mom in the audience with him. Okay. Well, there were a couple of them, but I know well, the one. The, I, I think this one was uh, was on the island. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't here, but it wasn't here. It was in, it was in, uh, in, in uh, New York. It was in New York, uh, upstate New York area. And um, what happened was is, you know, he told me his mom was out there and I said, listen, you know, I don't know nothing about the kid at all. I, 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 I don't know anything about him at all. And I just said to him, listen, just, just, just listen. Do exactly what I tell you to do. I'm going to tell you the beginning. I'm going to tell you the end. I'm not going to tell you shit ass else. I'm going to set you up on the microphone. So when you come out, you... Take that energy that you're going to hear, because these people, they don't really kind of know you, but it wouldn't matter if you were a seven-legged midget with three eyes and four boobs on your back. They are going to cheer for you when I get through with them. I said, and I'm going to put it in, hand you the ball. You have to make sure you cheer every single person's hand. You get up on that corner. 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 You charge me. I'll jump out and do the same damn thing and start. And if you hear me say beach bump, or if you hear the referee say beach bump, you better start saying beach bump or I'm going to kick your ass in front of your mother. But if you listen and do these things, don't worry about anything else. And when the time comes, you throw me off the top. You roll me up. One, two, three. Get your hand raised, get your ass out and sell your neck. Go and hug your mother. Walk around the long way and leave. Don't walk around the short way. Walk around the long way. See your mother. 
and hold your neck and get some help to get out of there. Don't just walk out of there. If I see you walking out of there, I'm going to get up. I'm going to come out and beat you up. Don't do that. I said, but if you do those little things and don't worry about nothing else. Now, meantime, I don't know if this kid has only had a handful of matches anyway. I don't know. So, you know, I get on, I go out there. I, 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 I you know, I, I do my, you know, my look and everything. So by the time they know just from the way I walk, I'm the heel. They already know. I'm the heel. Just from the way I walk, I stop and I, you know, so by the time I actually do grab the microphone, I have something to say anyway. And in my mind, I don't know the kid. I said he's a boxing champion. I said he's an amateur wrestling champion. Uh, he's going to college right now. He's in, he's, he's in his division. He's a champion, division champion. And now he wants to become a professional wrestler. He let, I asked him in the back, what do you do? He says, oh, I like to box a little bit. And he does some boxing, too, for me, understand. And I put him over, and then I said, and if you think you are going to use the metal mania to put yourself over in this business using me as a stepping stone, I am going to beat you. I'm going to beat you up. And your mother's right here in the front row. And I'm going to take you out there, and I'm going to beat you up right in front of her, too. Now, by the time, it's not exactly what I said, but I'm just giving you a little bit of the schmooze. And now, now he comes out, and he runs with the ball. He runs with the ball because I got them annoyed. I got them where I wanted them for him. I hand off to him. He's supposed to run with the ball as far as he can without getting tackled. He runs. He does the whole thing, comes up, up in the corners and everything else. I tell the referee, go over there and tell him, come get me. I'm going to jump out. He does. And he's told him, get back up on the corners. He does. And I yelled, and I yelled to the referee, come here, beach bum, go tell him. And I'm walking around, shut up. Here I saw him, I hear beach bum, beach bum, beach bum. And he's getting the place going. That's all he had to do. From there, I went in, stayed on him, got a hold. Called a few hope spots. It was time to go. I gave him a Samoan headbutt. I went to the top. He slammed me off the top. He schoolboyed me one, two, three. Got his hand raised. Got the referee out there to help him around. He went to his mother. He went the long way and went in the back. He's waiting outside for me. And he said, I get outside. And I said, how was it? Did you have fun? He goes, man, that was the most fun I've ever had. I, look, look. He says, look at my arm. I said, what? He goes, I haven't even sweated. I didn't do anything. I said, that is what our business is about. He says, but why I can't have matches like that with other guys? I said, because other guys don't know shit. I said, have you exactly. ever seen I said, have you ever seen a blind seeing eye dog take a blind guy across the street? No. I said, there's a reason for that. I, and, and, and I'm not a wrestler. You know that. I've told you that. And brother, with, if you and your Elvis Cybers, I'm not a wrestler. I'm, I'm a gimmick. I'm a gimmick. I exactly. Stick, I don't do things I can't do. I don't do things I wasn't built to do. I exactly. just do what I can do and stick with what I can do. 
And that's the difference between then. But this is the thing, Angela. It took me, I think, maybe six years to actually understand what I was hearing from the people. I could hear people, but it was just making my heart rate go up. I couldn't relax until Jimmy forced me to relax. Then, you know what? You said something really important. You're really, you're really honed in on something important. Uh, and it's the, the time frame, that five, six-year period. We got guys, that, a lot of people who watch this show, a big part of our audience are young workers. Guys that have two, three, four years in, five years, somewhere around there, right? It seems that that magic moment, that five-year mark, that six-year mark, it's almost like if they don't accomplish something by that five- or six-year mark, they're ready to either leave the business or go the total opposite and go balls to the walls to get themselves over in this in you know this in, infinitesimal time frame you, you can't do explain to people well the, look the, the first thing, a, a psychology the, and the patience a lot of the young guys a lot of the young guys i met i told them you know about psychology and they said old school is dead and so the reason that you're seeing what you're seeing the business and hearing what you're hearing is because <clears throat> and you see the ratings is because they believe that that's true. And the other thing is the business has gone in such a way that there's only one way to save it. There's only one way to save it. And that is for every single wrestling company, top to bottom, to go back to 70 style. Second, they got to stop writing. Thirdly, they have to teach them by being in the ring with them in front of people without the film cameras there, um, house shows per se, and have guys like me who can't really work anymore, but who know psychology. You know, who can take a guy who knows how to do all this freaking shit that won't have to use a goddamn single thing of it and just let me do the work for him. I'll take one bump mm-hmm. and raise, and he'll get more heat. He'll get more sympathy. Thank and you. And he'll be able to understand. And then I can work with him on, or work with them on character development. Now, I'm not saying I can come up with the greatest characters of all time. I'm saying I don't give a shit what the character is. I can either tweak it or change a name. But most importantly, I know I can teach a young person how to organically come up with something. Now, some people, some people just don't have that. And that's why you put a manager with a guy like that who can't really do it no matter what. And and, and now you're talking about going back to the 70s where guys like me who were wrestlers not in the seventies, but were wrestlers who could do a few things to be a manager would be good to come out with a star who could talk and put the guy over who 
put him where he needs to be and be at the right time, at the right place to make something happen. Now, I'm not saying I'm great. I'm saying right now in the business, people like me who are still breathing and physically able to bring something to the table, like one Gary the Pitbull, or like there's a handful of guys that can still do these things. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and the young kids, they think, you know, the, the tough enough thing, which was a cool show, but the tough enough thing is, is how you do it. Or, uh, the, um, the uh, uh, move after move after move after move after move after move after move thing. Yeah. Is how you, none of that is true. And I, Jeff, think can, can I stop you there a minute? But Andrew, seriously, the both of you, you have to, you got to agree with me when it's, Oh, it's, I absolutely oh, do. They're going to save the business. Right. Which I, I absolutely I, agree with you. Look, the, I, I have to ask you about I, it. I don't want to mention his name, but a friend of mine is, I'll tell you his title, but I'm not going to tell you his name. I went to high school with him. Uh, and he never spoke to me about this deal because I told him, don't do it unless this or that and the other thing. But yeah. he's the president of Fox Sports. And they bought up, you know, X, Y, and Z from WWE. Yeah. And sure. I never, till this day, I haven't told him what I really want to tell him. And that is, look, you bought a company. This is how the business is. It's upside down. And if you really want to turn the business upside up, you, 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 this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get rid of all the dead wood. You're going to have to bring in guys with from the 90s, not the 70s and 80s, but the guys from the 90s to do these particular pieces of the puzzles and then have one 80s, 70, 80s guy in there or two in there in the back to figure out how these programs will work. But what well, they, I'm going to tell you have, something. What they got right now is there's just there's too many people that have become jaded because they yeah. know so much. And it's really time to it's really it really is time to bring new everything in, stop yeah. what they're doing and bring the business back down where you had bottom of the card, middle of the card, and you built up the card to the yeah. minute. And the other thing is a guy like a Meadowlands monster should be the big man has to come back. The big men, I'm saying giants. Yeah. They don't all have to be seven foot tall. But guys that are over 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 6'6", 6'1", even six-footers, these bulky, strong guys, you know, it's nice to have those those 190 guys. It's yeah. great those 135-pound guys. But, you know, honest to God, you can't not have – let's say in Hawaii, if you had a wrestling show here – there are women in the front row who are 6'3", 245, jump a car in a single bound and literally kick your ass. Yeah, and absolutely. And even you, unless you're Rey Mysterio, but you cannot have 40 Rey Mysterios. So sure. what do you do? Well, let, let's talk about something. I, I have to... It is different freaks. Yeah. You can't have all blonde. You can't have all guys with goofy mustaches like you. You can't right. have all guys... Hats and goofy sideburns like him, and yeah. guys with mullets 
where the 70s are calling back my exactly. hair. Exactly. Well, let me. You put us all together. We look different. Yeah, it's like talking to you, Angela. No, but I'm saying we. Look <laughs> no, but I'm saying we look different. There's different freaks. Yeah. He's a freak. You're a freak. I'm a. But we're different. We don't all. Of course. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Let's talk about this because there's a couple of things that we have to we have to address. We did a show not two nights ago. We had uh, Matt Granahan on. Matthew Granahan talked. He said exactly, almost verbatim, exactly what you just said, Jeff. Talked about the nostalgia factor. Talked about you know how to get eyeballs back. You bring in that nostalgia factor. Dan, open this up here. Let's talk about uh, how we talked about wrestling, boxing, MMA, um, all these dying genres that what do they all need to to kickstart them? They need that familiar face. Right. There are no familiar faces around. Yep, that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem with the current product is they they don't build stars. They build cookie cutter characters, and that's actually something I was going to ask you about, Jeff. Was you, you talked about playing a character? You can play a character well, or you can do what they do today, where they play a very specific character. They have the same ten minute match every night. And if anything happens where they have to change, it's two guys in the ring with deer in the headlights because they they can't adapt. So I, I that was like you said, and that's something I think. And we, we talked about the other day is is you need somebody to take the talent that's there and uh, teach them just ad libbing and adapting. If you could do that, it, it, the problem is is everything today looks so scripted and so worked and so it's fake. cookie cutter, Dan. We talked about it. It's all exactly. Cookie it, it's not a wrestling match. It's a stunt show. The punches don't look real. The kicks don't look real. The moves are clearly two guys working together. Oh my and god! And if you could, if you could get somebody, you know, in, uh, like like Jeff was saying, uh, somebody who could come in and like look. It's supposed to look like this. It's supposed to sound like this. Just, or hell, just give them a microphone and tell them you got five minutes. Go say something. If you Dan, if you let me let me ask your question promo, again. Well, I have five yeah. minutes, but thirty seconds is is even harder because you got to get who, what, when, where, why, how, and you got to get yourself over and your opponent over. So it's even harder with thirty seconds. But I, I well, yeah, but Jeff, let, I got to stop you. Hold on a minute. The answer's just it, it's not just one thing it, it, it's a collection uh, it's a collective of problems that i'll tell you one of the biggest problems i've met is uh, a lot of guys i swear to you there are guys in the locker room said you know i know everybody said jimmy snooker jimmy snooker I, I i had to go look him up on youtube i didn't know who he was okay Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, I can't knock the kid. He was honest. Yeah. Well, you know. I'm, you know. I mean. To me, but here, here's the thing, though. In the middle of the Himalayas somewhere. I mean, but but he was honest. But here's the thing, and I have to ask you. I have to ask you. You're a guy. You've been around a long time. You got a head for this business, second to none. I know very few people in it, and I know a lot of fucking people in this business, a lot, and you know that. 
but and I know very few people who have a head for this business like you do. You did in 30 seconds or 40 seconds what guys can't do in eight, nine minutes, 10 minutes. I saw a segment go 22 minutes one night. 22 minutes. Dan, tell me if I'm bullshitting, please. No, you're you're not Talk. at all. 22 minutes, brah. That's, and, that's and, an accomplished squat. Well, and, and you don't get into it either. I mean, you watch the programs today, and sometimes you're 30, 45 minutes into the show before the first match starts. Thank you. Well, you know, these guys had, Dan, they had minutes to deal with. Everything's all wrong. You know, everything is all wrong. And, 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 And the problem is no one really wants to fix it. They don't want to Thank fix you. it. Thank you. Order to fix it. Finally. And right. I got to stop right. it. Good. Finally. Somebody right. gave us an honest answer. Right now. With the COVID, I would have used the COVID to shut the business down. I would have used the COVID to put on matches these kids never saw in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and teach them. And then I would have brought back wrestling once the country gets past it. And at Thank that point, you. you could reacclimate everyone. Um, you may lose a couple of guys. You may have a couple of guys get bigger. You may have a couple of guys get taller. You may have a couple of guys get a little older. You may have a guy growing a beard. You may see a different name and everything. But it would, within one year's time, they could resaturate the, 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 the country and then they could start to do it all over again with house shows and build up and build up and learn to resaturate the, the, the country without oversaturating it like it's been. And it's, it's completely, I mean, when a sponge can't take any more, you know, I remember the first big uh, pay-per-view, the second pay-per-view, then all of a sudden it was Tuesday night, something or other, another pay-per-view. I was like, yeah. they were, this is in 91. I was like, wow, they're doing another pay-per-view three days later? Yeah. Yeah, it was all of a sudden by the end of the year, they were doing it every month. And ever since then, they've dumped so much water into the bucket, the water's just flowing over. And now you literally have guys in the business who say, Jimmy Snuckle who? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying you should know who he is. I'm saying you should. You know should know who he is. That's the point. You should. Something, you know. Now there's guys in the business I think who have great minds but need to take a break. There that's a perfect. That's a perfect segue. Who need to take a break? Jeff, I, that's a a perfect segue. I I I don't want to mention your names. But one's from down south, and he is a mastermind. I think if he was given the opportunity to do what I said, shut the business down and re-educate everybody, he'd have surely been there. But he's burned a lot of bridges because he's, he's, he's hell on wheels. But that's what you need. Second, uh, I think he's the greatest mind. I think that guy's the greatest mind. Uh, another mind... Um, had been in Hawaii for years, went all over the world. But I think that, you know, at with all the years he's put in, you become jaded. So, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's just 
comes a time where you you have to say, I'm jaded and I know I'm jaded and mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a run, yeah. you know, I've had a run. Maybe I can do be an advanced man. Maybe I can help with promos. Maybe I can help with this guy with his suits and help teach him how to talk, something like that. But being in right. the programming and the booking, you, you would probably need to remove that person yeah. from the booking. And then even though he he's great, you know, I can do this, I can do that. It's the same things he was doing. And now you, you're just you're just rehashing. Although F music, everything is rehashing, but you're yeah. coming to the limit to how much this sponge will take. You know, okay. that, along and, those lines. Angela, I heard there was some big changes or a couple of changes made in the WWE staff in the office not too long ago that had uh, yeah, that, big time. I, I don't want to mention and, it. And and actually I'm but glad that you brought that up because uh, I'm not uh we have we have some news to report tonight. It's exclusive news. Nobody has it yet. They All will right. tomorrow. But uh, there's serious talk that WWE is up for sale right now. Well, and if that's the- and that that's coming as no surprise to anyone, by the way. Right. I, I can already tell you right now, the Fox deal is a two-year deal. I have not spoke to my friend uh, about it, um, but I can tell you, I could call him and I can ask him, but it, w- without calling him, without asking him, my first thought is Fox buys it up. Well, every every inside, I, yeah. I hate to use inside sources, but every inside source says the current ratings that WWE is producing is about a third of the minimum Fox expected. So I think... Yeah. Right. But somebody, see, this is the thing. I never knew this deal was going on. Okay. I have family in the lighting business and the television business, and they were all working together. And, oh, you know, you know this one? He's always my cousin. Oh. And, and uh, I got a text. Hey, you know, I'm working with your cousin. I'm like, holy shit. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, 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 you know, I, I would have told him, look, if you're going to buy in, buy it all. Well, I will tell you right now, WWE is making four cents on the dollar. That's it. Well, look, look, the, the bottom four line, cents. you got to remember the COVID thing doesn't help on top of where the business has gone into the shitter. You so, know what, though, Jeff, let's talk about that. I, I have to I have to talk about this. We, we have to address this. Dan and I did a show recently, and Dan and I really want you to to kind of um. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hey, Dan. If yes. you don't, if you don't think Fox is going to buy it, who the hell do you think is going to buy it? No, I, I actually agree with you. I think it's in Fox's best interest to buy it. I mean, even Absolutely. the 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 let's say the one point three million that SmackDown's averaging is still higher than a lot of the the crap that's on TV today. But I mean, you have that demographic between, say, 35 and 60. If you tell them the wrestling that's coming on tonight is Jim Crockett, NWA, AWA, Bockwinkle, Ganya, Luthez, it's going to be exactly like you remember. They're going to grab their kids or grandkids and say, watch this shit. And those fans are going to come back. There is nothing on TV today that's going to get them. And I think Fox has the money to reach out to those people. Absolutely. They need to do that. But like I said, no one... Is no one in our business is going to tell Fox 
what I just told you. Right. Because and that's the problem. That because there's much more an investment there than just buying the company. Right. Absolutely. Buy the well, company. Of course. Well, the biggest completely burn it to the ground. So, like in Hawaii, when they want to grow uh, uh, pineapples, they burn the ground, and then it becomes more nurturable to to the next mm -hmm. season. Sure. That is what would need to happen, but no one's going to tell them that because that buying power now, instead of it being where it was, now it's here. And oh yeah. Hear that? It's going to be give it to us for what you got. Right. Yeah. It's in you the know, shitter. But, <laughs> you know, like I Seriously. said, I never had the conversation with my. Yeah. Neighbor. I should actually call him, but the fact that the matter is, if he he knows I'm in the business, if he. If he hasn't called me to say, what do you think? He's crazy. Jeff, Dan and I had a conversation. Dan and I both agree. And I'm, I got to have your input on this. I have to. Dan and I both agree that wrestling died when wrestling characters died and wrestling stars died. You knew who Hulk Hogan was. You knew he was a wrestler. It didn't matter what company he worked for. You knew he was a wrestler. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You knew he was a wrestler. Steve Austin. Bruno. Superstar Billy Grant. I can go on. Uh, Killer Kowalski. All right. You knew who these guys were. You, they had name value. When the company became bigger than the star, pro wrestling took a header. It never recovered. That's our opinion. Say you what to this. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you for sure, Jimmy didn't help in that regard. Uh, Jimmy was the first guy to really, um, well, Bruno, Bruno started it, but only a little bit. But Jimmy, Jimmy was unhappy with his money several times, um, didn't go to the buildings, um, put Vince in a squeeze to get the money he was promised, not to get any more than what he was yeah. promised promised um and jeff did you hear the story that i told on the show about the let me finish with you and then you know hulk hogan <laughs> did that a little bit little bit not a lot little bit and right or really did it but vince mcmahon's own words were i cannot rely on one individual i have to rely on a team of guys so no matter who doesn't show I can yeah. then it became when Diesel and Razor left, I can put anybody there. They'll eat any shit sandwich I put on the plate and then realize that wasn't necessarily true. Then it came back At to all. the guy's back. At then all. they started to pay some more money. And then eventually you worked your way out of big guys into small guys into showing people you're going to take Jake the Snake's DDT and not even cover the guy, and then you're going to get into write, writing, and then if you're going to write and you're going to tell me to remember, and halfway through the match I forget, and I don't know where to pick it up from, and nobody is a seeing-eye dog. Everyone is blind. That's why you have a blind seeing-eye dog 
walking a blind guy across the street. And then what happens is, by the third match, you turn on married with children. You sell the fox. You sell the fox what they could have never gotten with anybody from anybody that had a clue. They just were on the outside looking in. But now that they're in it, they don't see it as clearly as you think. You think they would. Yeah. But yes, their numbers are down. But yeah, something could be done. But the only way you're going to save it is to do what I said. A lot of people have got to go. Um, some people are still left like me to do a few things. But I'm not just saying I would be a savior. No. I know who could be. I know there's two guys for certain who are breathing who could do it mentally and run the shows and work off of each other and use a guy like me uh, to help them along with some of their interviews. And then whoever else can't interview, interview for them. And then, yeah. but use the COVID as a, a, a time to shut it down Buy the library from Vince, put out all the WWE guys from the 70s, starting with Bruno, superstar Billy Graham, work your way from that angle, all sure. the Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka, right through Hulk Hogan, right through where Ken Patera was there, and then he was gone, he was there, and he was a different type guy, right through Hacksaw Honky, Jake, bring it all the way through, right up yeah. to the Undertaker, bring it right up through to where the business, even through 91 to 98, because they were still, they were, they went like this. Then they came back up when the, when, when, when they, when they, when the, uh, the boys were moving over, the boys were moving over to TNT or WWWCW. And yep. then Stone Cold drove the beer truck down. Now you had something going. Now you had something going. And yeah. Until 2005. And then once 2005 came, that's where you stop showing the TV. Once The Rock left the first time, you stop showing, or you, you bring them up to where Rikishi and the other two guys were together when they had that three thing going on with the worm and all that. That's it. And right at that point, you introduce yeah. new programming. You bring in more guys you've never met before. You can't use the same guys in the office because if they don't know who the Metal Ants monster is and they got time and effort in this other guy, well, why am I going to bring the Metal Ants monster? But if you got a guy that thinks business and it's not about oh, who my pals are, it's about the product. There I'm you go. That guy. I'm there you go. I'm going to bring in that guy and I'm going to find out who can talk, who can't, who can walk, who can't. And I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to find out. So by the time I reteach the general public about wrestling, I'll, these people are home. At one point in 9-11, if it wasn't for wrestling, people would have been, people would have been out of their minds in depression. But True. because they had wrestling, the people were captive audiences, and they had people in the audiences. But now they don't. So what do you do? You give them that by taking the tapes and putting it back on. Vince knows what I just said is true. Triple yeah. H knows what I said is true. But 
They're not going to do it because they're jaded. They know too much. But Fox News isn't jaded. All they know is money. And you give them a reasonable explanation as to why it happened, what to do about it. They are just in the right spot to, if you had somebody to say, listen, these guys are a fun, they're, they're too worked up, you've got to move them away. You've got to bring in the next generation where they saw the mistake happen. So it doesn't happen again. And Jeff, you can go w- on. without what I just said to you, brother, you might go shave those goofy beards right off because. Well, uh, you know, Jeff, one of the one of the things uh, that we learned during WCW and, and WCW failed for uh, a lot of reasons, but not the least of which is that non-wrestling people. The, the, the people who were running it didn't know the business like Fox. They're from the outside. And, well, the boys, and the boys were vacuuming the money out. Well, yeah, yeah, let me let me finish my my thought here. Uh, here we go. Am I right? Well, you're you're in the in the ballpark, but you're closer to the fence than home plate. Here's the thing: the people running the business that that were non wrestling people, all right? When non wrestling people were forced into running this business. And they basically were forced into running a business they didn't know how to run because of an acquisition that they didn't want to happen. Mm-hmm. They took a company that was worth $68 million, and it was in the negative when it was sold. They sold it at a, a like a $58 million loss. Yeah, but remember, in between where you are on the plate and where I am on the fence, guess what happened? The same damn thing you and I just said met right in between the plate and the yep. fence, and it died. And you know well, what? Well, then here's then here the is players, the all the players in the business killed it. It wasn't the people outside the business. The people outside the business. Well, then then that's ideas. exactly. They had big ideas, but it wasn't them. It well, was that's the my my question to you. Here's here's my here's my question though. You ha- listen to me. Here's the problem that we faced. It was non-wrestling people that killed the business. Now it's wrestling people killing the business. Is it time now? Is it time now for a fresh set of eyeballs? Well, can end result is exactly what you just said. It's a fresh set of eyeballs. But you say tomato, I say tomato. Okay, so we're Dan. You're the ref here. Where do they come from? The end result is identical, but getting there, it's tomato, tomato. It's and that. So here's my question: How do we get there? How do we get there? I give you the key. I give the of everything. You buy. You're gonna buy W. You're gonna buy WWF. You buy it all. You buy their whole network, their whole everything, and you have people like us to go through. Me or Gary or people like that who are willing to work hard, make a living doing it, and put on all of the old wrestling and build up. And the key all the people during this COVID thing, and it's going to be around for a while, even after November, it'll eventually work its way out. But 
you have several months to put a bunch of stuff that's already edited and in the can, just needs to be aired, that's all, and start reteaching these young people who these guys were and show them the business. So, and remove all of the bullshit that well, that's business. Like, I love, hey, I was at ECW. You just mentioned my that, biggest pet that's peeve. That's the key. Tables my. and chairs and all that crap killed the business. That it That's my biggest pet peeve. At my, my biggest issue with wrestling it has been, is now, and always will be. And Dan will tell you. Anybody who watches the show will fucking tell you. My biggest problem is no respect for history, no acknowledging the history of wrestling, and nobody's willing to learn from the past. You can fix the future if you look at the past. Wow. Because what we're going to no happen before. If you know history, you don't repeat you know, exactly. The but the problem is, I've got kids in locker rooms telling me they don't know who Jimmy Snooker is. They don't know who superstar Billy Graham is. They don't know who. Then whose fault is that? It's uh, the their fault because you're supposed to. You're supposed to uh, uh, care. You're supposed to care about your craft. Thank you. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not saying you should know everybody, but you should know the top twenty. Big numbers, guys. Dan, you're, how often if, do I bitch about this? How often? All the time. But ten, you don't. You, Dan, I'm sure you'll agree. You, if you're six foot ten, you don't watch Rey Mysterio matches unless you are watching a Rey Mysterio match against a guy six foot ten. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't watch Rey Mysterio matches sure. to learn Mysterio. You're gonna watch The Undertaker or Kane or um, Hulk Hogan. Anybody that had any height. The tall, bigger men, right. the boss man, big boss man, nails, how to work as a good guy, a bad guy, as a big man. So, but it's turned into a midget world. It's turned into a midget world. A yeah. world of, I mean, yeah. you know, so there can only be one Chris Jericho. And there can only be one of, what's the other kid's name from Texas, uh, you know, with the. The gimmick, good-looking kid. He's over. Who's in Japan? He came over. AJ Styles. Okay. Oh yeah, AJ. Sure. Okay. Rey Mysterio. That's enough. The rest of my guys. Guess what? I'm gonna find guys that are fucking, you know, like well, the metal he, he, mom, like, like this guy, like the. I'm gonna bring in guys who are big, impressive people. Well, it's like you said too. Real estate. The the key, you know, not everybody on the roster has to be seven feet tall, but no. you have guys today that are five eleven being booked as the Giants because everybody else on the roster is five seven. You know, you're the biggest guy in the match shouldn't be five ten. Did you, you see my I'm problem, Dan? Like a wrestler. You know, I'm like I'm, I'm six. Like like I I go to all the shows. I'm six two, by no means a huge man. I mean, big, big, big for compared to, you know, my social circle, but I shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have 90% of your fans being bigger than the wrestlers. Thank you. Well, like I said to you before, in Hawaii, we have women who are 6'4", 245. Yeah. Kick your ass for real. Right. Watch a match between 280-pound guys and go, I paid 20 bucks for this. Yeah. Dan, it goes back to the show we did. 
when wrestlers look like wrestlers. We talked right. about guys like, you know. This is what I was saying to you about, like, when, when Akbar picked me up. He yeah. said, who I was a worker just the way I walked. I exactly. Know. I didn't know I had that. I didn't yeah. know I had that. He told me. I, but, I, and you're not a small guy, bro. You're, you're, you're a big dude. 265. That's a pretty decent size. Average yeah. size. Yeah. Average but they don't size. have that now. That be the average size. You'd be hard pressed. Yeah. yeah. You'd be hard pressed to, to find the guy your size now. And you can have you can have moments and matches with smaller guys against bigger guys. Uh, people like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan have proven that. But you, you when the bulk of your you know titles, your your main event, your heavyweight champion is 185 pounds. And you've got a half a dozen guys on the roster that are 250 plus, you know, six and change. It, it kind of hurts the mantra. Although I want to ask you something to expand on what you just said, where you said you had it. When you talked about promos and swagger, there are certain it factors. Do you think it's possible to teach that to somebody? Or do you have to just scrap the entire roster and find the people that are trainable? I think it's teachable. Well, I think it's it, it depends on the person. Let me give you an example, and I used this example before. Um, you know, uh, Brock Lesnar. I mean, he God knows he you know fucking punch somebody in the face and break their eye their eye sockets. Okay, right. But not pro wrestling. But if you when I first watched him early on, and even till today, when he does an interview, his original interviews were really bad. They're better now. But I could look in his eyes and see he's not believing in the character. He just knows he can kick the guy's ass. And he's trying to talk about something he can't really talk about because he wants to just say, I'm going to kick your ass. And it would be believable. But because they're telling him stuff to say and he wants to make it right and he's trying to think. and You can't think. Now, a guy like the Meadowlands Monster... He has something to say. He just needs a dialect. Brock needs someone to speak for him. Mm-hmm. He really does. Just does. And, and, and that doesn't make him a bad guy. It just means that his name would be along with some very great talent that needed a voice. Right. Period. Doesn't make him any less better. It just means someone else did the voices. And, and, and there were several multi-million dollar guys who had a, a mouthpiece. Um, yeah, and he sure. had one. He didn't even need one, but that was just a, for a favor. But besides the point, I'm just saying, um, Meadowlands Monster is the kind of guy where I've seen his interviews on his on his thing. Uh, he just says, "Listen, I'm the Meadowlands Monster. I'm seven foot tall. I'm 325 pounds, and I'm still lean, and I can do anything the Undertaker can do. I don't beat the crap out of you." Well, that's not an interview. An interview, if I'm the Meadowlands monster, I'm going to say, hey, Metal Maniac, I know you had 747 matches with Jimmy Superfly Smith. I know that you have been at the top of the independent scene when the independent scene was the independent scene. I know that you were 1992 Rookie of the Year. I know you were in every magazine when there was the magazine days. When it was the magazine days. But you are not dealing with guys from the magazine days. You are dealing with me, the Meadowlands monster, seven foot tall. And I will stick my size 17 
down your throat, and no matter what you know, I will make you pay. That's a promo. Now, I could teach him to do that. But first thing was, he had to put me over and then say, yeah, but I'm the Meadowlands monster. I'm seven foot. I'm 325 pounds, and I'm lean. And I got a size 17, and I promise you, I will beat you, and I will beat you badly. You better have your insurance paid up. (laughs) And walk away. And walk away. Or just have a look. That took him all of 30 seconds, okay? But, but, But what I'm saying is, I could give him that. I could help him nurture that. Have him stand in front of the mirror and say, look, you see how you look great here, but if you turn this way, you look too lean because you're tall. Don't turn that way. Turn this way. Always make sure you know where your Achilles heel is. Gotta work David, the camera. Lee Roth, David Lee Roth from Van Halen was the guy I figured this out. I, I, I thought I figured it out with Superstar, but I realized later I had seen an interview with David Lee Roth, and he said, because I struck poses in the mirror, I can strike a pose and know what I look like without having to look in the mirror first because I knew what I looked like. So when the cameras were there, I could strike this pose and a thousand cameras could take the picture I wanted them to take. And I could teach that to a guy like Lou Bruno. But a guy like Brock Lesnar, he just doesn't... His... he, he, He... He's, I'm sure he is a gentleman and a fine athlete and superb ass kicker. And God forbid, you know, he don't like you. He'll beat the shit out of you with one with your left. And he'll stick his foot down your throat, knock your teeth out. But he doesn't believe in... I mean, I've seen him on TV. I've seen him talk out of character. He should have never walked out of character. He should have stayed in character, even though it's a work. He should have been working a shoot work. Right. So he could have been more believable rather than just his look. Or you put a mouthpiece with him. Dan, where does that conversation sound familiar? Man, I feel like we've had that before. We've yeah. talked we've talked social media, we've talked kayfabe, we've talked everything. Look at the guys from Fox, no one's getting in the business who has any juice in the business is going to tell them what well, you and I just talked about. So and I think they do. It's a big thing to take on. Having having a network, having a network run a, your program, having someone like say Fox, if they were to end up buying the WWE, you you could get the right people in the right places. Someone like. I, I, you know, uh, someone like a Jim Cornette who, you know, knows what he's uh, or, you know, ha- has a lot of his shows talk about. Here's how I would do this differently. I would, you know, Vince McMahon's never going to listen in full. I mean, you look at the people that Jim are coming Cornette along the company. could take WWE right now, Dan. Right. Jim Cornette could take WWE right now inside of a week and turn that fucking company and, around. And that's my point. He'll never get that shot with the McMahons. He'll get <laughs> wait, that. Wait, wait, Someone stop, like him could stop, get that shot. Stop. Let me stop. You, you got it right, and you just... Wait a minute. This is what I would do. I would have... 
Jim Cornette. I would have Don Morocco because Don Morocco knows television as well. He knows how to book stuff as well. Because the company's so big and vast and you have two different TVs, I would use Don Morocco because I'm telling you, Don could not only talk, Don is smart, he's an educated fellow, and he's different, and he's also hardcore, but he's different. He has a different paintbrush than than uh, than Jim Cornette. But sure. uh, I think that everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, they could they could possibly very well be friends with me. I love them dearly. I'm not going to mention people by name. Uh, everyone else has to go. Everybody. Absolutely. And, and I would be extremely careful of anyone carrying over past those two from the 70s to be in a booking situation. Right. Not even as an agent. Not even as an agent, because then that bleeds through. I think it's important that the business set itself on fire, burn it to the ground, and regrow it again by airing those things. And while those things are airing, you have a team of people who are trainers who are 80s, 90s guys. And... Teach them the things they need to know, like psychology. Every match must be a psychology match. No yes. one picks up a chair but once a month, once a year. Ladders, tables, and chairs and all that shit are gone unless it's a, a very rare thing. And uh, it, 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 it has to be done where... You can't have 45 guys who've been in the business who are looking to get as much money as they can, which you should, but not to a point where you kill the company like a WCW because you're going to back all the money. Some yeah. guy going to get a chance because Jim, this guy doesn't like that guy. That guy doesn't like that guy. It shouldn't have anything to do with that. It should have to do with and I think between those two guys, I mean, Jim could do it by himself, but I think it will kill him physically. Right. No, no, no. Jeff, the, no, the, expression, right. the expression familiarity breeds contempt has never been truer than it is right now in wrestling. Yes. And that's the biggest problem. It's the guys that, involved. That way. It's been that way for a good 15 years now. I know. Which is right about the time everything went to years. shit. Exactly. And look what's happened for 15 years. 20 years. The, Go back 20 years. It's been like this. If, if I may, too, something that would need to happen with it with it with a purchase or reconsolidation or something is you would have to reconsolidate the company and take it off the market because what's killed, oh, a lot of what's killed the WWE is they're beholden to shareholders. They can't do certain things that would work. You can't have certain characters, certain gimmicks. I, I understand that's that's talking about money, but yeah. when when Vince McMahon has to report to thirty people every week, he's 
talking out his ass and talking yeah. out side, two sides of his mouth at the same time. Well, Dan, you let's never talk get a productive about that show minute. with that kind of mentality. Dan, let let's talk yeah. about that a minute. Yeah. Jeff, let's let's talk about yeah. this. Was it whether it's on television or in the office? All of this has been thought through and talked about, and you've got two years worth of information that they knew before they anyone else knew, and they knew Fox was going to buy in. And they knew this time was going to come. Not the COVID time, but this time was going to come. But when yeah. COVID hit, when COVID hit, when COVID hit, I would have immediately, as soon as I, as soon as it hit, I would have immediately turned around and either said, I would have said to Fox, "Look, I'll sell it all to you, but you're going to have to redo everything. Take this, do this, do that. We're burnt out, but you're not." You're fresh. You're you know young. what, Jeff? If they had stopped production, shut the company down during this time, they still would not have lost as much money as they're losing right now. They're bleeding money out the ass. Well, that's actually, if I can, that's actually something that's, uh, I don't want to say hurting, but for lack of a better term, it is hurting because with the WWE owning their own buildings, their last quarter, they actually turned a profit because they, they're not paying anyone. They're laying off wrestlers. They're using a skeleton crew that's already under contract, and they own everything. But, which is what's killing the idea, is you look at, like, Fox is paying them $200 Dan, million dollars a year my, for SmackDown. Listen to my words, Dan. Hear me, hear me a minute. Oh, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me, no, let me hear, hear me out. Oh, hear me out. Okay, it's like mind. It's like hitting the lottery on your deathbed. Well, right. That's the, what's happening. The, the point is, is that there's no incentive to create a good product because the shittiest product Why they've produced in 20 years is the most profitable they've ever been. Well, Why should there be any incentive? Yeah, Nobody gives a shit. You're saying profitable as it's been in, not since forever. No. I, I, in the, since the recent past, but the recent past isn't saying much. Well, what I what I'm saying is is exactly. you, you have you know you have superstars exactly. putting in you know six six million eight million viewers a week and the company's barely scraping by in the '90s. You have seven hundred thousand people watching SmackDown and you're making twenty million dollars. Like you, you, the, 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 there's no incentive because there's certain things that you you have to. I hate to say it, but you got to kind of hit them in the wallet first, make Damn. them realize we're done, then Think change about it. Dan, you're a numbers guy, right? Of course. Okay. Think about this. There's no pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. There are no house shows. House shows have died a slow, horrible death. Yes. Pay-per-views have gotten so expensive, you can't cover the cost of running them anymore. Right. No one at home is going to pay 85 bucks to sit home and watch a, a television wrestling match when they can go see a live show for 60 bucks. Yeah. Right now, on average. Right now, they can't go anywhere. But I exactly. wouldn't have, have pay-per-views with what is now. I would have used this COVID time, and there's still several months to do it. And I think it'll be probably six months to a year before it's completely off of our radar completely. Oh, at least I, a year. I, I'm with you on that, Jeff. Absolutely. At I least a year. Take the year and starting right now, I mean, like today, if they were to say, okay, so we're going to do, get rid of the shareholders, pay them off, get fucking rid of them. Let's 
put all these. You, you have to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. Oh my God. If, yeah. You got, if you're going to do this with, with wrestling, you need to be in it for 20 years. You're not in it for two. So the you know, death knell so for that company. It, you might as well sell it and get out. But if you're in it for 20 and Vince is done, and you know you've been told by somebody like me or from them directly, you're going to need to burn it to the ground and bring it back up again. We're too Absolutely. we're too old, we're too burnt out. You're not. You're just the guy and the kind of people and the infrastructure to get it done. Okay, fine. Knowing that, this is a 20-year proposition. You're not going to make money till five years. You have all the other businesses floating it, and you have to make that commitment. If you're willing to do that, I take these two guys, I bring in these other guys to help with these talent, I bring in every piece of talent I can get my hands on and find out what they can do, what they can't, and get them ready, reteach everybody with the old tapes. So by the time you have a live event, you can eventually start to show a TV show that's of the stars you have now, have a good storyline and yeah. take one more year to recreate your stars. And then after the two years is over, then you can start with a house show once a month in this area and once a month in that area and yeah. go back to the original thing and help. Fox should help every single solitary one of the small independent companies so that would be the training ground for these guys and then you can have your own training ground so they go from let's say they go from you know uh, Gino Caruso's guys that are working twice a week three times yeah. a week twice a week every week which is a lot for a wrestler in an oh, area God, sure. and then yeah. take them and then bring them to let's say a Memphis style thing where they do have five or six shows lined up because they have a current little show there and work it that way and they pay their dues and then finally they get to come to WWE and then they do dark matches and then they start working with house shows that you've created because by that time exactly three that's year three now that's your boys you're talking year three to four by five right. years you have new established talent You've established everything's yeah. brand new. The seeds were, it was burnt to the ground. The seeds have come up. And yep. probably a guy like Don, at that point, he'd be in his mid-70s by then. And probably Jim Cornette, I would say if he's probably 60, I don't know how old he is. I'm 57, so I'm going to say he's 63. No, um, he's, a, he's actually 58. I, how much? He's 58. Well, if he's 58, God bless him. He's been through a lot. You know? Yeah, he's 58. So he's 58. I thought I was a, I thought I had a lot of miles. All right, so he's 58. So he'll be 64. Yeah. He's, he's four years he's younger than I am. He'll be 64 by the time he, he'll be able to walk away and say, okay, yeah. I did what I came to do. I was allowed to come and do exactly. it. Exactly. That's the thing, yeah. Jeff. You just put your finger on it. Do Don's job, and you—you you just put your finger on it. Dan and I actually talked about this, 
about these. We just talked about it the other night about these guys having their hands tied. Yep. That they're not being allowed to do what they know how to do. Dan, we've been talking about WWE for the last few minutes. Let's let's talk about some of the other companies that are dealing with the same issue. AEW, they got a billionaire owner, young guy in this case. What's the owner's name? Tony Khan. Tony Khan. Now you got on on the one hand, here you go. You got a seventy-five-year-old billionaire who's losing touch. You got a thirty-six-year-old billionaire that's got endless pockets. Who's that? And, and apparently he's just like Tony, a. Yeah. T- Tony Khan's father owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, exactly. That's what football he, team. Tony Khan old. owns AEW. All right, so the junior owns AEW. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the other he, he thing took is they, money and bought a wrestling company. Yeah, he he bought his kid a wrestling company. Basically. And so, but they own a football team. They own their own stadium. Yeah, which is why they've they, been able to do the shows. They own their own arenas. Yep. But there again, here's another company, Jeff. They're bleeding money out the sides. Dan, walk me through this. How do, wait, how wait, does a company man. like AEW? Hang on. I, I I was just about to say something, Jeff. Go ahead. You know, no, go ahead. I was gonna. I, I, you and I, 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 I bet you, you and I are right at the, about to say the same damn thing. But go ahead. <laughs> well, no, no. I, I, you know, the the thing is, you, you're you're hemorrhaging money because you're you're producing a lackluster product. I mentioned last. I mentioned on the show the other day, and just this week, the numbers came out today. AEW beat NXT head to head with less than eight hundred thousand viewers. That was the um, think about that. seven hundred and change thousand won the week. Think you had uh, a small territory uh, anywhere, you know, Memphis, any of these territories that, that that didn't have any kind of national audience whatsoever, and you were pulling in three to five million people every show, and sixty thousand, thirty to sixty thousand people at your at your arena shows. You had a product that works. And the problem is you have so much money being thrown around at crap. You have to really, I mean, our guest is a great example. You know, you don't, you you have talent you could go get and pay them what they're, what they're worth, or you can pay some bum, you know, nobody who's not drawing a, a fucking cent $20 million a year. Exactly. First of all, if anybody can make $20,000 a day doing what I did for 100 bucks a day, God bless them. Right. But if, you're, if you have you have billions of dollars, if you don't spend it, you're going to be giving it to the government. So, you know, Daddy said, look, we got to spend some money somewhere. Why don't we do this? We can't do it another way. We, we can do it because... Uh, Vince can't go into our arenas and say, I won't bring my event here and use that as a lever to keep you out. So yeah. they were able to do that. Uh, but here's another thing where you have guys from the outside coming into business who are surrounded by people who just want to vacuum the money out because they know this will end instead of someone... Exactly. Who, who could actually help them recreate something that's been missing. Uh, they could buy 
if it was me, I'd go and buy IWC, CW tapes. I'd go buy whatever I could buy that was available to buy. I'd shut it down. I'd, I'd bring everybody together that was worth having and put them on like 500 a week just to keep guys from going anywhere. Work a job, but I'll still you 500 a week. Just don't go to Vince. We're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to burn the place down and rebuild it like we do in Hawaii when we go to plant to make the soil fertile. And But at this point, I think there is, it's stupid to say after seeing the history, I think it's stupid to say, uh, I want to make WWF the greatest thing. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to get rid of everybody and I'm going to buy the tape and I'm going to do all this stuff, but I'm not going to help AEW. I'm not going to help this guy. I'm not going to help that guy. I'm not going to help that. No. Yep. I do it. I'd get all these guys in the same room at the same time, and I'd say, okay, we're going to have a national program, but we're not going to have a national program without you involved. We're going to co-promote. Like a modern territory system. I'm going to bring your guys in. I'm going to bring your guys in, but I'm going to send back in one piece, too. And so you could go from Florida to Minneapolis to here, to there, to the big time, okay? You had a two-year run, three-year run, five-year run. Guess what? You're hot. You're hot. You can go back to the Indies and work another five years. Yeah. You can come up with a different character that catches on. Who knows? But you work together. There's more than enough because not everybody can afford to put on a pay-per-view. Some can, some cannot. Yeah. like it local, like like Lawler, he was able to make money because he had the formula. He had a small TV. He didn't need worldwide TV. He made a living. And he yeah, the Jeff, you want to hear something along those lines? Here, here's here's the ironic thing, what, and what you- exactly what you're talking about. Here's the ironic thing: the one company, the one company that was custom made. For this coronavirus is the one company that shut down first. NWA Power. NWA was custom made for this. They already had a TV studio. Small audience, low production cost. They had everything going and they had internet. They didn't have to spend money for TV. And they had worldwide distribution. The one company that could have survived, succeeded, and and finally, finally made a name for themselves as the National Wrestling Alliance went by the wayside because they panicked. They did the one thing you never do in a crisis. They panicked. The WWE and AEW, on the other hand, didn't panic enough. Right. Now, the suffering. Go ahead, Dan. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, NWA, I think they had to stop. I think that um, they don't, if they don't have the old films of the NWA, they're screwed. I think Vince owns those films. I think that they should have spent some money on getting those films. And I think they should have retaught and re educated 
the people in their area with those films, aired right. those films, and done their own thing, but in coordination with all the other companies and decided, look, this is what we need to do. Now's the time to do it. And yeah. you're not wrestling match with nobody in the crowd. So let's reteach them the product. Let's rethink the product, reteach the product. And by the time we come out on the other side, we'll be able to start again. Because at this point, yeah. it, the wings are flying off. And it's not, I'm not talking about the virus. The wings yeah. are flying off because the product, the product was flying with one wing and they were losing fuel. Yeah. And right at that very moment, but what bought a plane that was running out of fuel, but nobody <laughs> told them that. But but nobody, could I they call them if he had called me and said, Jeff, look, you know. This is what I'm thinking I'm doing. I would have told him, look, don't do it unless you're prepared to do this, that, this and that, because it was always in my head. If they were in there, I was like, why didn't he just buy them all, get rid of all those people with their hands in it, get rid of everybody, and then this thing hit, and I'm like, wow, what a great time to reteach everybody the product. But wouldn't it wouldn't would that opportunity for them to do something would it would it still would it still have failed inevitably or could they have learned something from, you know, from no, their first mistakes? Of all, first of all, you'd we, be airing you know, that did not fail. You would be airing products that were already home runs. That's true, Even too. Yeah. For a different time. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, true. Because, because it was the, the flavor of what would have been put on the plate would have been better than what they were getting anyway. Yeah. And let's say, like the NWA guys. You know, a lot of those people in the audience, they really didn't know who the Midnight or who the, the Rock and Roll Express was until they went back and looked. Then they got excited about him. What well, and you know what? And Jeff, that, that's a great point. That's a really great point, Jeff. And again, going back to what we talked about earlier, Dan and I, you know, talked with you about the history of the business, you know, and... Uh, you know, that's not even the, that the the workers don't know the history. The fans don't know the history because they're, a lot of them are young. Well, well and, and like the other really, problem really is young. a I mean, lot of the fans, the other problem is you have fans that know the history, but they look at, uh, you know, Flair, Flair, you know, Rhodes. They look at Steamboat Savage, and then they watch a Young Bucks Kenny Omega match and say, "Well, yeah. back the old product was crap. This is what's what's good." You have fans who not only don't know the history, they don't appreciate it because they grew up in an era where they were—I don't want to say taught, but they were taught that they, that wrestling used to suck and now here's the good stuff and i want people to know they're hearing that from a 36 year old guy i think james i really think that would have worked its way out if they were ahead of the curve and they did exactly what i've been saying to do if they would have done what i just explained to you to do and been ahead of the curve and prepared for it and all of a sudden okay it's january something's wrong february shutdown boom shut it down why Now's the time. We can't save the business. It can, we can only steal from somebody 
who doesn't know? And then yeah. they're going to be left holding the bag, which is where Fox is. Because if Fox had a clue, they would have understood. But because they were from outside the business looking at this pretty little diamond, instead of seeing inside was quartz. And it was rotting from the, not because, you know, Vince did something wrong. Vince did what Vince does. He's a salesman. Hey, I have a product. Yes, it's worth X amount. I'll sell you this much. Now I'm going to sell the rest. Okay, well, we'll buy it up. Well, eventually, it's either going to fold or, and, and then they'll say, I wish I knew. Or somebody's going to call me or somebody and say, what should we do? You're in the business. And the first thing I'm going to tell them is the same thing I told you. Shut it down. Get Dan? Everyone shut the whole country down. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry combine them all, make it worth everyone's while to yeah. be part of it, and reteach everyone. Yes, you may lose some fans, but you will gain more than you will lose. Absolutely. And it's a 20 year deal, it's the, it takes five years. To grow an oak. Yeah. Five years to grow an oak. So you're going to have to take the first five years. The second five years, you're really killing it. And then if you don't make the mistakes of history, you got another 20 years from there. Well, it's the, the same, right you know, now, the same. We'll it, it's, it's a simple, it's else. a simple business proposition. It takes three to five years in any business. I don't care what business you're in. It takes three to five years to turn your first dollar a profit. Dan, I have a theory, and maybe you tell me if I'm full of shit or, or if there's credibility to this. I think Fox bought WWE because they know it was a failing company and they needed a write-off. Nah. Nah. They can, they can, look at, Call me cynical, but that's what I believe. If Fox wants to set money on fire, they could have set money on fire. They didn't need Vince. They've been setting their money on fire for a long, long, long time. Yeah, they've been making a lot of money for a long time, too, bro. Yeah, well, they should. Their infrastructure is massive. And they're completely... Yeah, oh, I know. So what's new? I mean, yeah, they, they need to burn some money. Okay, I, I don't think they bought it to burn money because there's no way you're going to spend $4 billion and not answer to the higher-ups. Well, look because at Tony Khan. Who's Tony Khan? The, the guy, guy that owns AEW. Did, did his father really need to spend billions of dollars to buy a wrestling company? No, no. But, 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 but a billion dollar, look, a guy who's got five or six billion dollars or 10 or 37 billion dollars is not, you know, a 5.7 trillion dollar company. You, you know, you're comparing apples to bananas. Yeah, well. I mean, and unfortunately, Vince those are the only fruits I have right now. But, but Vince has billions of dollars, but he could be completely absorbed 10 times over by Fox. And yeah. Fox, Fox wouldn't even need to wipe their yeah, ass. Brother, I, Fox, I would Fox love spent. to go. I would love to go on with this. But, Dan, we're going to have to we're going to have to wrap it up. I will. Uh, I'll let you take us home tonight. Bro, thank you so much. It's been. We only have, you know, like an hour and a half. We're already almost at the two-hour mark. Why? So, what happened? People turn into pumpkins after the two-hour mark? 
No, we have a we have time constraints for our sponsors and our uh, streaming services. Time constraints. Yes. To do it a constraint, you take it and you put it where the sun don't shine, and then the I sun. I can't do shines. that. I I I can't do that. I need their sponsorship. What's the name of your show again? Wrestling with the future. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Metal Maniac, the greatest ever, coming to you live from the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Wrestling with the future, and if it don't, these people don't listen to what we talk about. You be talk looking at wrestling with the past. It's James and uh, Despiro with the goofy hairdo and the mustache and uh, whatever the hell he's got going on. And we're uh, just stay tuned and make sure you check in with them and see when they're online. And for all the sponsors, Kishmine Tulkas, if you don't know what that is, ask the nearest Jew. And oh Jesus! Time, <laughs> you're looking at the greatest ever, and if you got a wrestling company and you got a few shekels and you need someone to talk, shekels. I'm the guy you want to call, Shabroni. And they weren't talking about me when he came up with that name, and it was the Sheiky who came up with it too. So remember, it's the Metal Maniac and these two goops. Get it right, or I'll squeeze your head like a big fat. That's it. And James, clean it up a little bit, all right? Be professional. <laughs> all right. It's the Metal Maniac signing out, brother. Get it right, the Metal Maniac. Yeah. I love you, bro. Mahala. Take care. That's that's a hell of an my endorsement. God. That is. That's <laughs> my buddy. I've known him for 35 years. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, my. I told you, Dan. You know, when you got Jeff Miller, the metal maniac, you don't have to do a lot of talking. But if you have to ask a question, you might want to write it down, submit it by mail. It'll get there faster, you know, a lot <laughs> I was faster. Say, we, we didn't have to do a lot of talking, but we weren't allowed to, we weren't able to do a lot of talking against our will either. But, you know, I know Are you kidding me. We got chastised on our own show for crying Damn, I've never seen anybody shut you up. Holy shit, brother. Oh, come, you, this cover, you, you, I, you, I got three questions and you cut me off for two of them. <laughs> Did I really? Did I really? I'm sorry, I wasn't aware. Sometimes I get a little animated. Forgive me. No, it was a very heated, or not heated. It was a very spirited conversation. I it was, was a lot very of fun. spirited. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, there's clearly a guy who knows the business. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? He's and I meant it when I said that too. I know a couple. Of, I know a lot of guys in this business. And I mean, you know, not to toot my horn, but I know a lot of people in this business. I've been, I've been around this a long time. Oh yeah. And he is by far, by far, one of the smartest guys. You know, you don't talk about a guy being the smartest guy in the room. You put him in the room with a bunch of wrestling guys. He's the smartest guy in the room. That's going to happen for, for sure. Um, he's just got such a head for psychology. You right. know, we talk about. You hear me talk about. I know sometimes it's like, all right, let Angelo talk. He's the he's the old fart. You know, just let him get it out. You know, give him his pablum and then <laughs> shut him up. Whatever. But but here's the thing, though. On a serious note, on a shoot, the whole idea was back in the day to make them believe that what you were doing was real. Mm -hmm. Now, like you pointed out, 
it looks like you know two guys working together. It looks like two guys that 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 uh, you know they they spent a week in rehearsal. Yeah, and now they're coming out to practice what they rehearsed. Right. Well, and that's exactly that's it, what it looks like. You know, he he talks about like obviously he's got a lot of stories. You know, Jimmy Snuka oh would God. go up to the top rope and he'd come down with the chop, and and it looked like you were taking that chop whether you wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you watch it and the guy goes up to the top rope, and the guy that's in the ring and he's you know he's he's lining himself up, or the guy that, that gets yeah. knocked over is, is spends ten minutes adjusting so he's in the right spot for who's about to jump off the top rope. You know, um, that should be instinct. And I mentioned mentioned it a while ago. You watch one of the biggest moments in wrestling history was when Hogan beat Sheik for the title. When he hit the boot, Sheik landed the wrong way. I know. But he rolled the bounce to where he was positioned and it didn't look like he was adjusting. It's exactly what he was doing, but it was so natural. Exactly. Exactly. Nowadays, you watch the same moment. Just read, yeah, just the other day, AEW guy gets drop kicked and he roll damn near rolls out of the ring, rolls yeah. back, straightens his legs, kind of pops his shirt. You know, let me okay, yeah. now I'm good, jump on me. And it's like, come on, you're, you're so obviously working together, it doesn't look it's like a like, real fight. Could you possibly insult my intelligence anymore? Exactly, wrestling fans, we all know. See, here's the thing, Dan. We're smart. We know, and I'm not talking about smart to the business. We're smart. We're intelligent people. Okay, right. we know it's a work. We know it's what we're seeing is entertainment. We get, we get it. Okay, but we, but we also want to believe that yeah. what we're seeing is compelling entertainment. It's like watching it's a not movie. even compelling, bro. They're yeah, not it's... even trying to make it look like a fight. It's like watching a movie with really bad special effects. When it becomes obvious that the film crew's not trying to make it look real, it, Thank it, you. It, it, it hurts the audience. It's the same thing with wrestling. When the wrestlers aren't trying to make it look real, why am I going to care that you're trying to pr- what, what you're doing? I'll, I'll give you a perfect analogy, I'll pr- and you'll appreciate it being a film guy. You'll appreciate it. It's like <laughs> the difference between Plan 9 from Outer Space... You, uh, you're already popping. Ed, Ed Wood. Ed Wood. It. It's the difference between Plan 9 from Outer Space and Avatar. Right. Or Bella Lugosi meets the Brooklyn Gorilla and JFK. <laughs> yeah. Or Lincoln. That's that's what we're talking about. We're no, talking I, I about, you. you know, this, the from... The overtly ridiculous to the compelling to the point where if you're in a theater watching JFK or Lincoln or Avatar, you're drawn into that. Mm -hmm. That's how wrestling used to be. Even I don't care if you watched it on television, pay-per-view or a live show, especially if you were in a live show and you were sitting there. With all the action going on in front of you, you were drawn into that because you actually were part of it. That's why when Matt Granahan was was here the other night, and we were talking about it, that wrestling is the only form of entertainment and sport where you have to have you have to have an audience. You can you don't need an audience in boxing, MMA. Yep. Um, 
You don't even need, honestly, you don't even need an a, 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 a crowd in football, baseball, hockey. You don't need any of that. Yeah. Wrestling is purely, it was, it's a fan-driven sport. Absolutely. It's fan-driven, and fans are required because they are part of the story. Yep. And have been since day one. Absolutely. You and take that away, and you have what our friend, you know, Mike Messier likes to call the empty arena era. Yeah, and you saw that with the um, this year's WrestleMania, or so, but before oh they started putting the oh. before they started putting the training, the trainer, the trainees, excuse me, in the crowd. In the you know the wrestlers were were would hit a move and then pose or do this to the crowd and it's like there's no one there and it just it, the dead silence killed it killed the flow of the match because yeah. the moments where you're supposed to hear a pop or you're supposed to hear booing or you know yes chance or whatever never came and the match it, it just didn't it didn't feel right at all. I yeah I absolutely agree with you and you are a hundred percent right. There is. There's something inherently missing from today's wrestling. It's it's no longer it's you you try to make it interactive. I get it and I understand where they're going with it. And you you try to create the feeling of some ambient crowd noise, and I get that too. But it's just not the same. It's not like having fifteen thousand or twenty thousand people screaming at the top of their lungs Mm -hmm. when somebody comes down the aisle. It's just not, you know, it's like, like our friend uh, Armageddon, Mike Murphy said, you know, the guys that come out now and they go and the crowd goes mild, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like like, why, why waste my television? I'm content to watch reruns of Dick Van Dyke, you know, or I don't, I don't have enough. I don't have enough free time to spend any of it on a shitty product. That's for darn sure. Thank you. Exactly. Well, let's tell everybody what's going on. We have uh, we have a, a lot of exciting things happening here. We are, um, tell everybody now, we are changing up some of the format of the show. Core product will always be wrestling. So don't worry. We're not going anywhere. We're not. We're not going um, batshit crazy. It's not. It's not a full heel turn. Well, no, we're not, we're not. We're no, we're not turn. We're not. So not a full heel turn. It's it's a swerve. It's, it's a swerve, bro. <laughs> we're going. It's a it's a swerve, bro. Speaking of which, he's coming back. Um, which I know you're excited about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be on the show this time. I look forward to. Yes, talking. you will absolutely. But now what we're doing is we're adding some other features to the show besides wrestling speech because and and you and I have talked about it privately. So I'm just going to share some of our private conversation with our our audience Uh, because of the state of wrestling right now. It's really, really difficult to review a match, to talk about a match. There's there's not much happening that isn't being repeated by three different or four different companies. Right. If you want to call them that. But it's yep. the same stuff. So we're not going to waste your time or ours, quite frankly. 
uh, on bad wrestling. Uh, we just we don't like it. We don't want it. And we're going to uh, diversify our intellect in other areas. Uh, Dan is a, a legitimately smart guy. Um, he's a historian and he's going to be featuring some show. He doesn't know it yet. He's going to find out right now. He's <laughs> going to be, uh, featuring some shows. We're going to call it history's mysteries Uh-oh. with Dan, the man. So that's your new show, Bo. Oh, good. Yeah. History's mysteries with Dan, the man. We have another show we're premiering called cryptic corner. Uh, that's going to feature myself. And we have a, a young lady, her name is, uh, they call, she is the cryptic hunter. And her name is Alyssa Placarose. Uh, she is, uh, she's a ghost hunter. And she's a legit ghost hunter. And uh, she's going to be with us. Um, she won't be with us every week. Uh, she will be featured on our Thursday shows. Tuesday is always our premiere show. Tuesday will always be our headliner show. Thursday is generally um, going to be uh, reserved for our authors uh, and our special uh, programs involving history or Cryptic Corner. Um, we have a couple of... Uh, I have my... Uh, I have it right here. Aha. See, I brought my calendar with me tonight, Dan. There you go. So I don't have to say, hey, Dan, who we got? Now I know because we have it. Okay. So tomorrow night, we have a special show tomorrow night. The young lady was supposed to be with us Tuesday night, but because she had to cancel out, we had to reschedule her. Her name is Katie Lee. She is a wrestler bodybuilder. She is a North American jujitsu champion. She is, uh, you know, if if Matthew Granahan is the, uh, the ultimate macho guy, this this woman is mega woman because she is uh, the super jock. She'll be with us uh, tomorrow night to talk about well, anything that we feel like talking about. Um, we have a uh, a show next week. I'm really excited about it. We're going to talk to a guy named Daniel Lowe. Uh, he wrote a book on Jesse James called "The Life, Death, and Life of Jesse James." He purports Dan. That Jesse James, the famous outlaw that was uh, killed by the, uh, supposedly killed, allegedly killed by the uh, the coward named Bob Howard. You know that old song. Right. Uh, he says Jesse didn't die. And I said, well, can you prove it? Do you have any any substantial evidence? And he kept me on the phone for four hours. <laughs> so... He's going to bring some of his info with him, and we're going to talk about what happened to Jesse James. Where did he go, and where did he live out the rest of his life, if in fact he did? The other thing we got going on, we have on the 20th, we got Matthew Granahan. Of course, I love this guy, the king of Connecticut, the suntan Superman. Matt Granahan is coming back on the 20th. He may be bringing a friend of him, a friend of his with him. We don't know yet. I spoke to his friend today. I got to get a commitment. We'll see. If it happens, terrific. If it doesn't, that's okay. Um, we've got a um, a special show on. Uh, where is it now? I just saw. Oh, Angelo, you Number just first. had it. 
Hmm? You talking about the one on September 1st? Se- yeah, September 1st. Uh, here we go. Here we go. We have a very special show. Now, let me tell you how this show came to be. If you watched our show, and apparently many of you did by the numbers, holy crap. Um, if you watched our show with uh, Mike Williams and Vince Russo, uh, Paul is dead. You heard at the end of the episode, we talked briefly Vince Russo and I went at it a little bit about Tiny Tim. And I have Vince Russo saying, if you can get someone who knew Tiny Tim, I'll talk about Tiny Tim for five hours. Well, he already reneged on that. that He's going to give us about an hour and a half. So I have Stephen Plim joining me on September 1st. Stephen Plim was Tiny Tim's best friend of 25 years and his personal and business manager. And he was the guy who set up the famous Tiny Tim wedding on the Johnny Carson show, the Tonight Show. We will talk about, and by the way, Tiny Tim's ex-wife lives the next town over, and she's still there. And his daughter lives about 45 minutes from me. Tulip, as she was known, lives in Pennsylvania. We will try to reach out to Tulip. I have been in touch with um, the former Miss Vicky. She's not interested in becoming a public figure again, so I thanked her for her time. But we're going to try and reach out to Tiny Tim's daughter and see if she'll join us. Perhaps not. Maybe I just won't bother the poor girl. So, uh, Dan, we are going to have Tiny Tim's manager uh, and best friend of many, many years. I look forward to it. September the 1st. Now, we've got a couple of things happening after that. Um, A couple more shows, wrestling related, and then we're going to venture into History's Mysteries and uh, Cryptic Corner and talk about the... uh, the, the creatures and uh, critters that walk uh, the highway, sometimes walk and crawl the highways and byways of America. So give an idea of what you would like to do on History's Mysteries. What do we, what do we not know about history besides a lot? <laughs> I was going to say most of it. Well, are you, are you looking for just a, like a, a, Docu like documentary type fact show, or are you looking more for like I historical look at conspiracies? Dan the man wants to give me because anything you give me is going to be exciting and entertaining and thought provoking, and I'm well, going to we, be like this on the edge of my seat. Going, we we Ooh. touched on you. You mentioned Jesse James. That's that's a big one. Um, I've always been a fan. There's two others as uh, historical of that same mentality is Billy the Kid, and there's also a, a pretty respectable number of historians that argue the man killed in the barn was not John Wilkes Booth that, that I have actually heard that in even, fact, I have actually seen photos. I, yeah, I was about to say even, uh, you know, on for, for as credible as it was covering, you know, everything at the time, uh, one of the early seasons of Unsolved Mysteries delved into it. There is a man whose name I will mention to you. You will know it immediately if I know anything about you. 
<laughs> you know what? Hey, you, you're like you're like you know the younger brother that uh, that I've had uh, <laughs> that you never wanted hidden away in the closet for all these. Years. <laughs> it's scary how much you and I think. Here's the thing though. There's a guy that that I would love for you to try to reach out to. His name is Brad Meltzer. Why are you laughing at me? No, I, go ahead. I, I I know who that is. Brad Meltzer. Decoded. Yeah. He did a show called Decoded. Yep. Okay. If not Brad, then maybe some of the guys that were on his show. I would love to have. I would love to pick their brain. You know, Matthew Granahan suggested something. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we should really look into this because it's very very compelling. And I followed this case from the moment it happened because I'm old. I can remember. D.B. Cooper. Yes. The mystery of D.B. Cooper. The man who purportedly most, took $20 million. Yeah, the most famous hijacking in American history. And they found a lot of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, all over the Pacific Northwest, in the woods, in the rivers. $20 bills, $100 yep. bills, a lot of just like money falling from the sky. What happened to this man, D.B. Cooper? Well, there are a few people who think they know, and there are a couple of people who say, yeah, I was related to him. So I would love to, I would love absolutely to cover D.B. Cooper. I would love you to look into, uh, well, definitely Billy the Kid for that. That one there is, that's a head scratcher for sure. That's like. You know, right. There are some people and just give you a little teaser. There are some people that think that it wasn't Billy, the kid uh, who was who was uh, killed. They think it was his cousin who resembled him, mm-hmm. a lookalike cousin. And they said that uh, that Billy kind of went off and lived his life right elsewhere. That's the story I heard. So is, am I am I in the ballpark with that? Yeah, I mean, there's been talk of of uh, lookalikes. There's been talk of just a case of mistaken identity. You know, the uh, also the 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 idea very similar to the story behind John Wilkes Booth, where the soldiers and law enforcement involved. It's like, look, this has to be him. I don't care if it is or not. Yeah, you know, that's who. That's what we're saying. And back then, you know, there was no journalism wasn't what it is today you know you told the local paper we killed billy the kid that was it nobody questioned it that was the story and move move on you know here's an interesting fact fact i know because i'm smart like you (laughs) um you're supposed to laugh when the when the boss laughs you're supposed to laugh oh right sorry okay (laughs) let's try this again there's a fact i know because i'm smart like you (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> that that um, when John Wilkes Booth's uh, conspirators went on trial, and there was a woman involved there too, the Correct. only woman uh, yeah, from my Mary, knowledge that was Mary Surratt was the first Ma- female Mary executed Surratt. in the United yep. States. Yep, yep, and uh, her I believe her do- her husband was a doctor. Uh, they they I, her husband no they owned a hotel. Or a bed and breakfast, okay. whatever it was. Uh, but the, the one, of, one or both of them gave him some kind of medical attention. Yeah, or you're talking about Doctor Mud. Yeah, the, the okay, do- yeah. At, yeah, that they stopped at. And that's where, yeah, that's where they get the expression. Your name is Mud. Yep. Yeah, that I see. I knew that. 
There you go. Uh, here's the thing, though. They tell me, and what I'm reading is says that the, the conspirator, let me get this right, the conspirators of John Wilkes Booth, when confronted with Booth, did not recognize him. Mm-hmm. They said, no, that's not him, which gave way to these, you know, um, theories of a lookalike or a, a, a double, a, a, yeah. um, a body double. Keep in mind that Booth was an actor. Right. And because he was an actor, he had, of course, access to makeup and fake mustaches and prosthetics and all this other stuff. Yeah. So, uh, well, I would love you to, to do any one of those you want to do. I don't care. Do them all. I don't care. But I want you to, to, uh, to do because well, we're going to change our show up a little bit. Okay. So, um, and I wanted to take this opportunity to tell people that we appreciate the numbers you are giving us. We are, we're doing some ridiculous numbers and largely because we have an amazing, amazing sponsor at Manscaped dot com who thankfully i can announce now officially and publicly manscape has renewed our contract and we will be with them there you go we will be with them for the foreseeable future dan this is a great spot to do our commercial yeah well like uh you know manscape.com uh, promo code wrestling future for 20% off your purchase their current big package includes <laughs> big package their current big package includes the uh lawnmower 3.0 which is the leading man trimmer as well as a ball deodorant a stabilizer you get a leather bag uh there's a lot a lot of good stuff they've got uh ear and nose hair among other lotions and various things but the lawnmower 3.0 i have it i use it it's great uh i mean you, i cannot say enough especially in the summer heat you know angela how humid it can get in jersey you don't want that mess but yeah manscape.com promo code wrestling future 20 percent off your purchase uh like i said like the sign you you know manscape.com your balls will thank you well thank you and i will attest to the fact that it's hotter than balls here in jersey (laughs) and when when you need your manscaped lawnmower 3.0 it's handy, it's available, it's ready to rock and roll for you. And truly, it really is the best, and I'm not just saying this because they're our sponsor, because I've, one of the reasons, and I'll tell everybody, I'll just tell it, I'm going to let you in on it. One of the reasons I wanted, I, speci- I went after them too, by the way. One of the reasons I wanted so much to have Manscaped as our sponsor is because I was using the product before they were our, before they were our sponsor. Uh, the other thing people should know is that uh, if you order through us, mm-hmm. as Dan said, if you order through us, you will get a very very generous discount. You will also get a very generous deal. They have made a special deal for us that when you order and you'll when you put your promo code Wrestling Future in. You will see that you're not just going to get the lawnmower 3.0. You're going to get a whole accessory kit that comes with it. So, and they have been amazing to us. Our sponsors, I want to thank Kyle, our buddy Kyle uh, at manscaped.com. He is an amazing guy and uh, has been incredibly supportive of our show and me personally. And I cannot thank him enough. I also want to shout out 
to our friend Mike Messier, who I know is watching. And uh, thank you, Mike, for securing that sponsor. And because uh, without, I got to have to acknowledge it, without Mike Messier, we wouldn't, we probably wouldn't have Manscaped.com. Um, Mike is, uh, is busy making film and he's doing uh, his project, his, uh, his uh, uh, Avalonia Theater Festival. We just, uh, we, we haven't parted ways as friends, but Mike has, you know, left the show. Um, you know, I, uh, I just need people that are going to be here all the time. And, uh, and so Dan and I have decided that, um, we're going to, to take Jason under our wing because he is just a babe in arms right now. We're going to teach him what we know. The bearded sensation, this guy, Jason. Call him the bearded wonder. He's a great guy. I love Jason. And uh, Jason is actually, he doesn't know it yet. He's probably going to find out right now. <laughs> Jason is going to be part of the cryptic corner. There you go. Because he just likes, he looks like a guy you would find on, like finding Bigfoot or God. Oh, man. <laughs> He's got the look I'm looking for. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I love you, Jason, but don't take it personal. <laughs> ah, shit. Anyway, but we have a lot of great guests coming up. We have so many people. Oh, and Dr. Stephen Greer, the famous ufologist. He's, the man is literally a, an actual trauma surgeon an ER trauma surgeon who traded in his, listen to this, Dan, he traded in his scrubs to chase UFOs. How crazy is that? <laughs> Dr. Stephen Greer. I know you're already looking down at your phone. You're, you're Googling him as we speak. Well, I, I, the name sounded familiar, and so I just wanted to make sure I uh, we were on the same page. Yeah. See what you smart if you're smart if as you say you are. So you're the smartest guy in the room. I keep telling you you're the second smartest guy in the room. Because if you were really smart, what you would do is have your lovely wife sit next to you on the other computer or on her phone and you just go like this with it. Okay? Which means search, okay? So you don't you just sit there and look intelligent and she hands you the phone, she goes like this. Slips you the phone, okay? Like, read it, read it, okay? See, I'm teaching you something, all right? I'm Terrible. teaching you. Terrible. I'm trying to teach you here. This is what we used to do back in, this is old school. Old school. It's not shortcutting. It's not shortcutting. It's creative writing. Okay? Terrible. It's creative. We mean terrible. <laughs> Getting Cliff's notes off screen. That's why you use that background. Hide, hide the people standing behind you. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Look, there's our manscaped spot. See, right there. There's the Meadowlands monster. There's Metal Maniac. I thought we were going to have both of them here tonight. But we got to get, we'll have Lou. Lou will be back for sure. Right. I think we're going to we're going to have Lou back. Probably I won't tell you exactly when right now. We are going to have Lou on. Uh, and I just saw it too. Son of a gun. Oh, here we go. We will have Lou back on probably the twenty seventh of August. Okay, is what it looks like. 
that'll be a Thursday. So that'll be one of our one of our uh, wrestling episodes. We'll bring him back. So, Dan, is there anything else uh, that we should know? No, I think we've more than, <laughs> more than said our fair share tonight. Good. Well, this is the only time we've really had to talk, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we just spent 20 minutes, like, conversing because we, we haven't said anything to each other for the last hour and a half. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, listen, folks. It's been a long day. It's been a long night. On behalf of Dan the Man, the Happy Haberdasher, and uh, and Jason the Bearded Sensation, and uh, Alyssa Placaros, the uh, Cryptic Hunter. Um, I forget what is her name. The crypt- I, I think it's the Cryptic Hunter. If not, we're going to make one up for her. Cryptic Corner. She's going to be the host of Cryptic Corner. On behalf of everybody here, it's been, like I said, it's been a long day and it's a long night. Have a good one. Happy wrestling. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.